0: Barry and Tim Parrish.
1: This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry, and along with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to talk about the 2005-2006 Parkhurst Hockey set. We're gonna talk about some other stuff too, card related, including the virtual expo that's coming up this weekend. But first, Tim's gonna talk a little bit about some uh stuff happening around the NHL. So, Tim, what's uh, what's news in the National Hockey League? Nothing. Yeah, that's what I thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh no, really. There's there's not a whole lot going on. I mean, they're just everybody's getting Getting geared up, practices have started again, so teams are uh, slowly working their way back. Um, Players are working their way back to their teams, and uh, maybe we'll see something on the ice soon. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, I think some of the latest things that the NHL announced, uh, if anybody's been following the top – I think it was the top 100 – Uniform numbers who wore it best of all time. They finally hit their top 10. Um, so the top 10 list has come out. Everybody loves top 10 lists because they Now, all when have you them. say
1: top 10, you mean like numbers one through 10, like uniform numbers one through 10.
0: Yes, uniform okay. numbers one through 10. So for numbers one through 10, who are the NHL players that wore those numbers one through 10 the best?
1: So for so. number 10, you got to go with Tony Amante.
0: Um he was close. I think he came in a close second to a to Guy LaFlower.
1: Oh that's yeah. how you say his
0: name. Okay. Guy yeah, yeah, LaFlower, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um
1: Guy Guy LaFleur, as I the first time I got a Guy LaFleur hockey card, I bought an old, it was just a stack of eighty-one, eighty-two cards. I bought it because it had a Tony Esposito card on top. And I'm sitting in the car, and it was wrapped in like plastic wrap, like sand like like you, what you'd wrap a sandwich in. And I'm unwrapping them in the car and I'm going through it. And I'm like, Guy Lafleur." And my mom looked over and she's like, you know, she's driving. She looks over. She's like, oh, Guy Lafleur. And lo and behold, that was her favorite player like 20 years before.
2: So
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mangled the name of her favorite player. Um, Yeah. And then she gave me like her uh, hockey collection, which included a Guy Lafleur scrapbook that she kept when she was um, uh, she would have been in her 20s.
0: Wow, she was hardcore.
1: Yeah, she had like some newspaper clippings from him when he was with the Remparts. I don't nice. know if no, I don't know if those were from the time when he was with the Remparts or if these were printed later. Like, you know, a couple years later, like here's LaFleur back when he played with Quebec. But she had some like really old uh pictures of him and then she had a signed postcard. Um with the hand addressed envelope that he had written out and, and sent to her. And then Very he wrote, nice. yeah. So anyway, so yeah, guy, guy Laflower, number yeah. 10. Yeah. Okay. I'll concede that, uh, Guy Lafleur, best number 10. Not going to so, argue with that.
0: Yeah. It's hard to argue with that one. Number nine is another one. That's hard to argue. Cause we're talking best all the time. And that of course goes to Mr. Hockey himself, Cordy Howe. Um, yeah, there were other number nines, but come on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Maurice Richard, Bobby Hall, Mike Medano, Paul Korea. I don't think any of them stand up as well to a guy who's named Mr. Hockey for a reason. Right. So uh number eight is the great eight himself, Alex Ovechkin. Um I don't know. Other than Timu Solani, I couldn't think of oh, Mark Recchi. that'd be the other one I could think of. But, yeah, no. Ovechkin would take that. Phil Esposito was seven. Um, Phil Housley was six. Uh, Nick Lidstrom, number five. Of course, Bobby Orr is number four. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hard to argue with that one. Um, Pierre Pilat is three. Doug Harvey took number two spot. And as my kids call him. Jacques Plante took number one, otherwise known as Jacques Plante. Um, I, I mean, there, that could have gone. That could have gone some different ways. There, that could I mean, have had, gone to Glenn Hall. Yeah, yeah, You had Glenn Hall. You had Terry Sawchuk. You got Johnny Bauer. I mean, Bernie Parent wore number one. Uh,
1: I guess every goalie. I mean, even George Vezina. Bel- even Ed Belfour wore number one for a little while True. with the Blackhawks.
0: I mean, George Vezina were number one. I mean, he has a trophy named after him, so.
1: That's true.
0: Yeah, so so you can argue with that list if you want, but uh, I think it's pretty solid. I mean, there's, there's obviously questionable picks at some points, but, you know, what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, uh, I guess, like, when you get further up, I mean, obviously, so 99 is, is obvious and 88 is obvious and 68 and 66 are obvious and, you know, Number 11 would be obvious, but I think when you get to, like, you know, the best player to wear, number 78?
0: Yeah. I yeah, know. right. I think off the top of my head.
1: Right. You know, it's like, oh, it's Sal Berry when he had his professional tryout with the Flyers, you know, wore number 93. <laughs> you know you what know. I mean? Like, I mean one of those linebacker numbers is as, as they would be called. I remember in um, the book, the code, one of the many enforcers that were talked to in that book, uh, one was Mike Peluso. And he talked about uh, players wearing linebacker numbers. Now Peluso wore number 44 for the Blackhawks, which is kind of like a linebacker. number. I mean, if you're wearing number 44, you're probably, yeah, probably longer odds to make the team. I mean, you know,
0: Unless you're and, Rob Brown.
1: Or, oh yeah, but then you pick 44, right? But like when Jeremy Roenick wore number fifty one, he didn't pick number fifty-one. It was just like that was his training camp number, right? You see what I mean? So right. but uh so Peluso talked about you know, you got to watch out for those guys in, with the linebacker numbers, because when you're in a preseason game and you see a guy wearing number 86 skate up to you, you know he wants to fight you because he's trying to prove himself and make a name for himself, and he's going to go after the toughest guy on the ice. So, you know, always be aware of those those linebacker numbers. So, you know, I really am kind of curious who the best player to wear number, you know. 59 was not that I need to know right now, but I
0: was going to say, you'd have to go to their list. I'm sure they've got it all posted,
1: but yeah, 10 at a time. And I just don't want to click around right now.
0: So a couple other things going on. If uh, anybody follows the various hockey writers um, that have a vote in such things on Twitter, all of them have been lamenting the fact that they've had to anguish over their picks for the awards for the, for the NHL season. Uh, so those, those were due, I believe today. Um, so we should be hearing fairly soon who the, um, various champions of each category are Mm -hmm. coming up here real shortly. I don't know. I don't, I don't get a vote, so they don't want my vote.
1: Dude, not only can I not join the Professional Hockey Writers Association, I can't even get verified by Twitter. Or maybe I have that backwards. Not only can I not get verified by Twitter, I can't join the Professional Hockey Writers Association.
0: Yeah, who needs a check mark? Just put it just put a little check mark emoji in your username and then it'll yeah. look like you have a check mark.
1: Yeah, but I want to be able to vote on awards too.
0: Um yeah, it's overrated. We can do our own awards.
1: Well, I mean, I do the Puck Junk uh, the annual Puck Junk awards and Those are more I, fun. Those are more fun and I mean other than um players players
0: w- really want to know which Puck Junk award they won more than they want to know whether they won the heart trophy.
1: Yeah, I mean, you want to see who wins the Kessel Cup as right. as the as the player who should have won the Komtsmy trophy but was overlooked because his more popular teammate got the Consmite trophy named uh-huh. in honor of Named in honor of Phil Kessel, who totally should have gotten the Consmite Trophy, but it went to uh, a different player on that team that year when the Penguins won the Stanley Cup.
0: If the season doesn't get underway, we may not be awarding anything. Can
1: part. I just, can I just, can I just refer to him as Canadian Brady? Would would that be okay?
0: Canadian Brady,
1: like Tom Brady.
0: <sighs> okay, moving on. Moving um, on. I'm going to use that one. I'm going to throw it out there. What else is going on? That and then
1: shifty pivots. I'm going to have to make a – shifty pivots will have to make a comeback. There you go. Anyway, okay, so what
0: else? What else did I see? Oh, um, so Ryan Reeves went on social media and posted a video about how he's got two goals that he always wanted to achieve, and one was winning the Stanley Cup, and the second was winning a scoring title. Um, And as we all know, um, the scoring prowess of Ryan Reeves – There's no reason why he can't win a scoring title. Unless, of course, he doesn't have a contract. So he announced that he signed a two-year, $3.5 million contract extension with Vegas Golden Knights. So congratulations to him. And maybe he will win his Stanley Cup. And maybe someone else on his team will win a scoring title. Because it ain't going to be him.
1: (laughs) Well, wait. Now, to be fair, if they sent Ryan Reeves to the United Hockey League, he would totally win the scoring title. Well, sure. You know,
0: uh, I'm, I'm sure. Well, unfortunately, the NHL is a little different than the United Hockey
1: League. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I like well, I like Ryan
0: Reeves, though. I, I like think... when he was in Pittsburgh. I mean, I had appreciation for what he did prior to that. But when he was briefly on the Penguins, you, you kind of got to see a lot more of his personality. And mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of Penguin fans grew to to like him. So And I
1: feel that like so, Vegas but, also lets their players show some of their personality and that that's a really nice thing.
0: Sure. And it's a hard, it's hard place not to because being an individual out there, I mean, that's, that's exactly what, you know, that's what everybody strives to be. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go to Vegas to be yourself. You know, what, what's the term? Let your freak flag fly. I mean, that's the place to do it right there. Oh, okay. So, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, other than that, I'm sure there's other little tidbits here and there you can talk about, but uh, that was all I had. So and now, um, Kent, back to you.
1: Yeah, back to me. Are you saying Kent like Clark Kent because I wear glasses? No, Kent, like Kent Brockman. Oh, Kent Brock, Simpsons reference. I haven't watched that show in years. So couple of things so um i'm now going to be contributing every now and then to the bcw supplies blog so if you know bcw supplies who makes like card pages top loaders and stuff like that oh
0: that, um, i thought that was boston championship wrestling
1: oh th- that could be it too oh, okay. um so uh a couple months ago when i moved I tweeted a picture of my collection and I just basically said, you know, here's the last look at my room of hockey before I pack it up and move. And it was like four and a half bookshelves. And most of them were full of BCW brand binders. And so their PR person reached out to me and he goes, wow, you know, can you write about moving? And I'm like, yeah. And then I wrote an article it's on their blog right now. Um, it's called "Four uh, four tips for moving your collection or something like that. And then I'm going to be contributing other articles for them about uh, storing and displaying your collection because I've been doing that for a long time. And uh, I think I can offer some interesting advice there. Um, and then another thing is is that I, I restarted the Puck Junk YouTube channel. It never really went away. I just didn't really do much with it other than posting an occasional like hockey thing that I might have pulled off of a VHS tape or just you know, reposting somebody else's thing or sharing it or whatever. Um, but I actually did a pack break for the first time in like forever. And it was a lot of fun. I did a ninety ninety one Pro Set Hockey Pack. And I got to tell you, like, I got tired of doing pack breaks because I don't like scanning cards. To me, that's like the most boring part of blogging is like, scanning the cards, I get no satisfaction out of that. So being able to just, like, do it in real time, open the pack, and be like, huh, look at what I got. Cool, check this out, you know. So that was fun. So I'm going to try to do those uh, one a week. We'll see if I get one done this week because um, i got some other things going on. But uh, did, uh, did you look at that? Did you watch that video? where you one of the 100 views? It had exactly 100 views as of the last time I looked at it. I
0: believe I was. Yes, well, thank I did you. Watch the, I did watch the video.
1: Yeah. And um, I
0: was disappointed that there was not a Stanley Cup hologram pulled out of that pack.
1: I think we were all disappointed that there was not a Stanley Cup hologram, or we would have settled for a Paul Gillis bloody nose uh, error. Yes. But I don't... Well, those are really hard to find. And as far as the Stanley Cup holograms, I think those only come in the earlier release packs. So I talked in the video about how the pro set wrappers for series one, you know, this also happened with series two also. So that leads me to believe that they, that pro set printed series one cards and packs even after series two came out, because series one when it first came out, the wrappers had a silver lining. They were almost like twice as thick, and um, you couldn't see through them. And in later releases, you could see that top card through the wrapper. Like you could with ninety ninety one score, right. so um, anyway, so yeah, so I knew that this was not going to have, definitely not going to have a Paul Gillis bloody nose error, but um, pretty but sure. But it did that, have a
0: surprise in it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess should make him watch the video, right, to see what that surprise is. Well, All I'm right, I going to so tell
0: you what it is. Go to the video.
1: Go to the video. All right, and then so a couple of other things. Um, actually, I'll just. A uh, little, little bit of tidbits around uh, hockey card news. So upper deck game-dated moments for week 36. Card number 83, Anaheim Ducks become first California team to win the Stanley Cup. Card 84, uh, Ray Bork, five-time Norris Trophy winner, wins Stanley Cup. So they are kicking it back to the 2000s because the Ducks won in 2007. And... Bork and the Avs won in 2001. So now we're getting some game-dated moment cards from quite a while ago. I mean, some of them are really, really old from, like, the 60s and stuff. But I say quite a while ago, but, like, within my lifetime and, you know, stuff that I remember seeing on TV. Not like, oh, I remember reading about that in a history book. I mean, I remember watching the Ducks win the Cup. I remember um, Ray Bork, like, really wanting Ray Bork to win the Stanley Cup. I think everybody wanted Ray Bork. Everybody outside of New Jersey or anybody who was fond of John Van Biesbrook because the story then was, well, Ray Bork really needs to win the Stanley Cup. He hasn't won a Stanley Cup. And the Devils were like, well, yeah, but our backup goalie, John Van Biesbrook, hello, he's been in the league since, like, 84, and he hasn't won a Stanley Cup either. Where's the story about him, right? But, you know, everybody wanted to talk about the legendary defenseman and not the really great goaltender who is now just a backup goaltender. Not just a backup goaltender, but when you're playing on a team with Martin Brodeur, it's understandable if you're at the end of your career and Broder's the the starter. But, uh, yeah, I, I I think those are some pretty cool cards. Of course, I'm not going to buy either one, although I'm tempted to buy the Bork card because, you know, um, him with the Stanley Cup is just so iconic.
0: Yeah. That picture's been recycled numerous times on many. Although
1: databases. I'm not a hundred percent sure that that is the picture on the car. Or well,
0: may not be exact picture, but shots from that that whole sequence have been used.
1: Yeah, and what I remember about about that Stanley Cup, uh, well, a couple of things. Like one, yeah, I wanted oh, to sing Oh yeah, it's him holding the cup. Yep, maybe not whatever whichever. It might picture.
0: not be the same exact angle, but it's
1: yeah, it's yeah.
0: They're all from so, that same sequence.
1: So I remember two things. I remember how classy it was that like when Gary Bettman handed Joe Sackick the Stanley Ooh.
0: Cup.
1: And Joe Sackick literally just turned and handed it to Bork. Right. Like he like he like started to raise it and then as he was raising it he was putting it into Bork's hands. And I just thought that was like the classiest thing, but that's that's Joe Sackick. Right. I mean, nobody ever had a bad thing to say about Joe Sackick, except one funny story. This is from Sean Avery's book. He talked about, did I tell you this story? He was smack talking Joe Sackick when uh, Avery was a, a rookie with the Red Wings. There's a shock. So he's on the bench and he's yelling at Joe Sackick and he's talking smack about him. And then Avery says all of a sudden he feels this hand just grab his shoulder, pick him up, and turn him around. And it's Brett Hall. And Brett Hall says to him, You will not speak to or speak at Mr. Sackick in that tone of voice again. So, <laughs> like, like but I mean, of course, Brett Hall is gonna have that level of respect for Joe Sackick. It, you know, there that that I mean, Holly was a good is a good guy, but I mean, you know they had that level of respect for each other, even though they were opponents. Right. So he but wasn't, you have
0: to, you have to hear that phrase being uttered in Brett Hall's voice. Yeah. Like, you have to use Brett Hall's voice to do that. I can't even imitate his voice. Cause it's that raspy. Like I I've, I've been gargling nails all day voice.
1: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so that's the only one I know who was ever like cross with, uh, with Joe Sackick, uh, according to Sean Avery in his book. Um, but well, that uh, was
0: just him being a dick. So
1: yeah, which, and, which,
0: which was commonplace.
1: Yeah. It explains why he's bounced around a lot in the league.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, not a fan of, of Sean Avery, but, um, anyway, so, okay. So those are the, the game dated moment cards from upper deck and then, um, president's choice trading cards released two new sets of cards last week. One is called Auto Memo, which have a cut signature and large memorabilia swatch um, on, on the card. And then the other one is called Dual Memo, D-U-A-L, uh, which have two pieces of memorabilia, either from the same player, if it's a hockey player, or if it's athletes from other sports, and it's two pieces of memorabilia, one piece from each player from, like say, uh, two boxers or two auto racers or stuff like that. Uh, so those came out last week. And then also, um, at the end of the week, so Friday through Sunday, President's Choice will have a sale with cards between 15 and 25% off. So uh, that's what's up with President's Choice. Have you looked at those uh, auto memo cards at all?
0: I don't know if I've seen those yet.
1: So here's the thing that's, that's interesting about them. Some of them look like they cut from, I don't know what they cut from. Looks like a lot of them, though, some of them look like they cut from, like, maybe paper or something. But a lot of them seem to use, or uh, not a lot, but some of them seem to use old cards. Like, you could tell that they were, like, be-a-player cards where they just cut the bottom half of the card and then mounted it to the trading card. Because you see the signature over the the guy's legs.
0: It's usually that, or you'll see the... um... Signature line from a check, like a, a a check from your checkbook.
1: Yeah, I've started to like to learn to like those actually. Really? Yeah, I mean, I would. I I think those are kind of cool. I mean, I think it's cooler just as a check, as as an uncirculated or not uncirculated, but as like a check
0: intact, like In full check. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I think that... I,
0: that's the way I feel about most memorabilia, because to me, it, it's a shame that they chop the crap out of the stuff, and yeah, it's cool that it's in a card, but mm-hmm. um, what was the one I saw the other day? Something, I think it was Leaf had a, a buckle, like a strap buckle from an old goalie pad. And I was like, wow, that's really cool, and then you think about it, what it came from, you're like, man, I wish you could see the goalie pad itself, <laughs> but here's like this buckle that's in, that's in the card, so... Yeah. On one hand, it's cool. But on the other hand, you're like, oh, man, think about what they chopped up to get that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember President's Choice had uh, a couple of years ago, they had a, a, a Jerry Cheever's card and it used a buckle from a goalie pad. And it was a really nice looking card. I mean, it was it was there's like two President's Choice cards that I wish I had bought. Because I not really buy their cards, because they're, they're kind of out of my price range. They're nice, and I have a few of them. I have a couple of, um, let's see, I have uh, I have a couple of different Chris Chelios cards, and then I have a Carter Hutton card. Uh, but they did a, um, they did that Jerry Cheever's card with the buckle. And I just thought, wow, that's a really nice looking card. Like, it's just cool. It's cool. It's a freaking buckle. You would need, you would need like an 80 point card card top loader to put it in, or yeah. you need to get like a snap case that like, you know, for like 40 cards or something just to like, to hold it. And then the other one was, it was a Glenn Hall card that had a big piece of his goalie stick. But what it, it, it was, was it was a Gunzo's logo. So Gunzo's is a hockey store, hockey, um, like uh, what do you call it like a pro shop in Chicago. Glenn Gunzo back in like the 50s and 60s was the Blackhawks trainer. Then he started his own equipment and uh, apparel store in the 60s and 70s. Like my aunt's old Tony Esposito jersey from the 70s has a Gunzo's logo on the back of it at the bottom and you know by the by the hem, by the tail. And then even like you'll see like old Blackhawk jerseys from the 70s have a Gunzo's logo. So for a long time, Gunzo's was like the official team supplier before everything went to CCM and then Adidas and then, you know, Bauer and whatnot. So it was a Glen Hall card and it had a big piece of stick and it said Gunzo's and it had like the Gunzo's logo, which is kind of like a like a little stick figure, Blackhawk goalie. And I'm just like, oh, man, that's really cool. That is cool. Yeah, but uh, I didn't buy it. Somebody else did. But whatevs. Well,
0: can't have everything.
1: No, no, especially in the world of one of ones, right? Right,
0: exactly So you just right.
1: got to be happy with what you got and don't worry about what you don't got.
0: Speaking of one of ones, you see Ice comes out this week too, right? Oh, really? Yeah, Upper Deck Ice comes out, uh, I believe, tomorrow, Wednesday, something like kind that.
1: Something like that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so and they have those ex- exquisite cards that mm. are I think one per box. Oh, so, wow. Yeah.
1: One per box.
0: Yeah, you get um you get a an autograph and either a memorabilia or an exquisite card and then some parallels and inserts.
2: Hmm. So
0: plus the ice rookies you get two in a box, I believe. But uh yeah, so ice comes out this week. Um you know, remember there were a couple years where they inserted ice into Black Diamond? And then, I do. Um, it was like its own product for a long time, and then it was part of something else, and then it was back to its own product again. So it's been like that uh, for a while now. So I regret
1: not buying 0506 ice because I remember a dealer that I used to go to in 0506. Um, well, I actually went to his store for a number of years, but I remember he had boxes of 2005-06 Upper Deck Ice that, you know, could either have a Crosby rookie or an Ovechkin rookie, and sure. they were really ex- – I don't know what he was selling them for. I mean, in retrospect, whatever he was selling them for, I should have been buying those boxes because that was back when I was at my good job and I was making good money and I could have probably said, sure, 140 bucks on a box, no problem, here you go, right? Or whatever he was selling them for, but I was just like, $140 for eight packs, that sounds stupid or whatever, right? And I just ignored it.
0: Well, I can tell you every so often, one will pop up on the shelf at uh, baseball card exchange. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're about hundred and seventy nine bucks for a box.
1: Oh okay. So they're still so, within range and I don't know. I just some really long odds. I mean it would be awesome to have a Sydney oh, Cross yeah, very ice long rookie. Odds.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: I don't know why they had to like make the two most popular rookies in that set the hardest cards to get.
0: Oh. Well, it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, to us that are the, I I don't want to call us the bottom of the totem pole, but the lower end collectors that are more the set oriented type of guys. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's the, that's the argument we have. Why are they going to make these so short printed? They're impossible.
1: Well, and that's the thing is so that like a lot of people broke ice that year. And I know this because I would go to shows you know, for the next five years. And I would find quarter boxes just full of, you know, Barry Callickson mm-hmm. and Andrew Ladd and Jeremy Colleton and Brent Seabrook and Corey Perry and, and, and Ryan Suter. And a lot of times these would even just be in the quarter bin um, because, you know, somebody was breaking a case and saying, I didn't get a Crosby and I'm just going to throw all these other guys that were, you know, limited to, two hundred, you know, 2, 000, 2,999 copies or 7,999 copies or whatever. And so, yeah, you end up with a lot of cards that people don't want.
0: Well, that's exactly it. I mean, there's only, you could probably go through the list and say, okay, here's the top 10 rookies. Well, there's 168 short printed rookies in that set. Right. So... You take out the top 10, you still have 158 other rookies that you could be pulling. And the odds of those, like you said, are, you know, astronomical. So the fact that you're getting one of the top 10 are, well, good luck.
1: So around that time when this dealer was selling Upper Deck Ice, I was getting back into collecting new cards because I had taken a Long break, like most collectors do. I want to say the last box of cards I bought in the 90s was 96-97
2: score.
1: And I might have bought some 97-98 score. Like, I might have found them at a Kmart, like a sealed box for $10 or something. I mean, right around there. And that's when I was going to art school. So I was just like, you know, I didn't have money for cards. I didn't have time to sort cards. I didn't have all well, the money, the time, and then they just had other interests. I was I was into going to school and you know chasing girls and going out drinking and and doing all that stuff that you do when you're in college. And or now. I, oof, yeah, it's true. Hey, I'm single again, and then we have a pandemic, so I'm still single again. <laughs> but um, anyway, so. Uh, and then when I got back into buying hockey cards seriously in 2002, I was actually focusing mainly on older sets, you know, picking up a lot of the old O Peachy sets from the 80s that I didn't have. And I had no interest in buying any new cards until 0506 when somebody was like, oh, Sidney Crosby, well, Alex Ovechkin, you should know about these guys, right? Because 0405, we had the lockout and I just tuned out of hockey. I watched the Chicago Wolves that year, but I just tuned out of the NHL. I didn't, so I didn't know. I was like, oh, I think by November I was just like, oh, yeah, the hockey season started. I guess I should try to find the Blackhawks on TV if they're even on TV anymore, right? You know, And, and then like I started watching the games. What really actually got me back into hockey, believe it or not, like got me back excited about hockey, was the 2006 Olympics. And they weren't really anything memorable. I mean, at least not for North American teams because they did terrible at that. But that kind of got me started thinking about hockey cards again. And then I remember, like, going to card shops and I'd be like, got any upper deck and, oh, no, sold out, Crosby, Ovechkin, Ovechkin, Crosby. Everybody wants these two rookie cards, right? So I would would try to buy new products and I couldn't find any. And so finally, um, I remember Parkhurst coming out because I remember seeing an ad for it or something and I just said, Parkhurst, cool, Parkhurst cards, right? So 0506 Parkhurst was how I got back into being a set builder because this was the point going forward where I started buying packs and packs and boxes and boxes trying to put together the set. Did uh, Was that a set that you built when it came out or did you come to it a little later? Or how did you approach 0506 Parkhurst?
0: I didn't build it when it came out because I could never find it. Not until probably two years later did I actually start to see it in in retail stores. Believe it or not, um, but wait, uh, how is
1: that possible? Why would they have a oh five oh six? Okay, well, hold on, let me backpedal a little bit. The set came out at the during the end of the oh five oh six season. It actually came out during the Stanley Cup Finals. I yeah, really it was remember. in like
0: June or July. It was June. It.
1: Because I remember buying three boxes. I bought three boxes, a binder. This is how naive I am. That morning when I was at work, I printed out the checklist from the Upper Deck website. And then after work, I went to the card shop. He was holding me three boxes. I bought three boxes, a binder, and a box of pages. And I said, I'm going to make my set, and then I'm going to put it in pages. Now, there's only one problem with that. No way did I make a set with three boxes. Oh, uh, no. Like, I didn't even have all the base cards, let alone the short prints, which I believe were one per pack. They were one in every other pack in the retail packs, and they were like one per pack in the hobby packs, if I have that correct.
0: Yeah, because I think right. I think if you look on the pack, I think it said, or the box or something like that, it said one one insert or subset per pack. And it it, was—they really weren't inserts; they were just the high-number cards past 500.
1: Right. Well, yeah. So there were a lot of subset cards. So let me get into the breakdown of the set. So 2005 six Parkers hockey 700 card set, pretty massive. 500 base cards and then 200 short print cards. So of the short print cards, 30 team captains, 30 team logo cards. 25 Northern Stars, 15 season highlights, 70 Parkhurst rookies, and 30 team checklists. So they really had this. They really kind of like, I don't know. They they really squeezed a little bit too much to try to get to 200. I
0: was gonna say they emptied the barrel on this one.
1: Yeah, they did. And the thing is, is that they didn't even like all the guys that were in upper deck ice or an upper deck series 1 series 2 didn't necessarily make it to parkhurst as a parkhurst rookie because i think by then they kind of figured out who the best rookies were and they put them in the set and like anybody who had been sent down to the minors or you know wasn't going to pan out or whatever they they didn't put it in as a as a parkhurst rookie cuz they could have probably done 200 rookie cards and i would have thought that would have been pretty awesome but what? instead, there's no
0: e-bugs in here. Come on,
1: well, you know rules on e-bugs. Um, but like looking at the set now, it's like okay, thirty team captain cards, yes. o- or an excuse to make another Sidney Crosby card, as I call it, because really, a team. Oh, captain...
0: are there many in this
1: set? Oh, and many what?
0: There's many Crosby cards in this set.
1: There's too many Crosby cards in this. Well, can you have too many Crosby cards in a set?
0: Depends on if you're a Crosby fan or not. If, no. you're, if you're the type that wants to call Crosby the Brady from up north or whatever the hell you call them. Canadian um, Brady. Then, yeah, that's it. Then maybe, yes, you can have too many Crosbys. But to somebody that enjoys the brand of hockey that he puts out there, then no. You can't have too many.
1: So this was this was Crosby's rookie season when, when he was still just a really damn good rookie and not like the best player in the league. So it was just Upper Deck could not put enough Sidney Crosby cards out on the market. Like, you know, they put him in all the sets. They even featured him on the boxes of some of the sets. And then they even made a boxed set called Diary of a Phenom, which didn't even, it came out during his rookie season. So didn't even have his whole rookie season. It just, it kind of like ends in the middle of the season. Like Sidney Crosby assists on Mario Lemieux's last goal or something like that. Or, or no, I think the two of them assisted on somebody else's goal and they made a card of that or something. And that's all fine and good, but it's just like, you know, it's like the ink wasn't even dry on his first year. You know what I mean? Like, on, on the on on the history of his first year, the ink wasn't even dry, and they were like making all these Crosby cards. That like, okay, so a team captain card, even though he wasn't a team captain, he was an alternate captain, but whatever. Um, and then they put him. The I hype was done. real, man. The hype was real. The hype was real. And then I'm you know I'm gonna look here, and I'm gonna say he had to be on the team checklist because who else would they have put on the team checklist? Let's see. Uh, Marty, Biron. Okay, oh, no, that's Ryan. Sure, pretty let's sure you're right. He is on the team checklist. Yeah. Let's see here. Um. Oh, yep. So he's on the team checklist and then he has three highlight cards. And then is he in the Northern stars subset?
0: Um. Which numbers are those? Those are five or six, something.
1: 561
0: uh no i don't think he's in there
1: no No. actually so these are like veteran players who are like from canada
0: no he's got he's got a captain's card he's got the highlights cards he's got the rookie card and he's got the team checklist so
1: yeah so he's got three uh season highlight cards four four yes yeah, and a rookie card and a team checklist. she has got four or five. He's got seven cards in the set. Yes. And so so here's my first problem with Park the Parkhurst set, is that the team logo cards are not the checklists.
0: Correct. They are not.
1: They should the backs
0: be. of the team logo cards actually have, like... Uh,
1: How many Stanley Cups do so, Yeah,
0: it's basically, like, stats about the team. Like, when they started, their goals for goals against like their stats from that year. So.
1: Yeah, I guess it's okay. I'm just, I like the front to be a logo and the back to be a checklist. That's kind of just how I am or front could be a team photo, I guess, but all right. So the, and then um the Northern stars don't do anything for me because it's just like, here's a bunch of great Canadian players that we just decided to make some cards of extra cards of for some reason. Like I felt like they were out of ideas at that point or like, Shoot, we have 25 more cards to fill. What do we do? Another 25 rookies. Now let's do something else.
0: Did you ever notice that they always focus on Canadian players when they do stuff like that? Because if they ever focus on American players, then they focus on like everybody. So like if there's ever like a subset where it's just American players, then there's also Canadian and something else. Right, Swedish like, and Russian. There's like a world team or this and that and the other, and America's included in it. But it's it's okay. It's perfectly okay to just feature Canadian players. I wonder why that is.
1: Well, I mean, okay, so they're going to say, oh, Canada makes the best hockey players. Okay, that's true. Mm.
0: Yeah. But it's just, Stati- Statistically speaking, yes, you are correct.
1: Statistically speaking, yeah. But I mean, I guess like, I mean, if, if this same, if it was called... Southern stars, and it was you know players from south of the border. Then it would have been Keith Kachuk, Jeremy Roenick,
0: Scott Gomez,
1: Scott Gomez, Ryan Miller, Chris I know. Chelios.
0: I said Scott Gomez because you said south of the border, so I kept going further south.
1: Right. Yeah, he was born in Mexico City. I know. <laughs> so um, yeah, south of the border. But I all believe Hispanic he's a US citizen, is he not? Mm,
0: I would assume so.
1: So anyway, so I would um okay, so anyway, so um as I said Parkhurst was a late season release. It came out right as the 2006 Stanley Cup finals were uh starting. I want to say there were about 2 or 250 per hobby pack. There were 36 packs per hobby pack? I don't think they were that much, were they? Uh, I want to say they were th- there were 36 packs per box and I want to say I, I spent about
0: I could have sworn these were like a a buck fifty nine or buck sixty nine or something I think like that. The
1: retail packs were a dollar fifty nine and the hobby packs were two dollars.
0: That could because be because that's I remember what I was spending, buying was retail.
1: I remember spending like two hundred dollars on three boxes, give or take, like around there. Now the boxes, the hobby boxes had signature cards. They did. Parker signature cards. And I gotta tell you, those cards looked nice. They were The first time I saw a sticker auto, but I liked them because what they did was they signed on a shiny sticker and then they put that sticker on real nice and straight and, like, the spot for the sticker is incorporated into the design. So I didn't mind that they were sticker autographs. I actually thought it was kind of cool that the adhesive that the player signed on was shiny like to me i didn't even realize it was a sticker i'm just like oh that's cool there's a shiny place where the player signed it looked really cool
0: well that's the thing the design of the card was was made for that purpose and that bottom part where they stuck the sticker was kind of whitewashed out so when you put the sticker on it it made it pop even more so it looked like it belonged there and some of them were placed to the point where you're hard pressed you have to kind of like turn it in the light certain way just to see the border around the fact that it's a sticker
1: and not only that though, but it it had like if I remember correctly, it had kind of like the kind of like a sheen to them, so they they were kind of like not yeah, oil but
0: no, but I think they might have had like a like a, a watermarked hologram in the background.
1: Yes, possibly. that was it, and I just thought those looked nice. That was to me that was quality. So and then they
0: also had the facsimile autographs too that were oh, numbered out of a hundred. Yeah, 100. those were like impossible to find. I think they were one per every two boxes or something like that.
1: I want to say they were like one per box or maybe. I don't know. I, don't know. I want to say I got about one per box. But Did you? Then okay. again, I don't really remember because, you know, we're talking like 14 years ago.
0: Yeah. Facsimile autographs. I thought they were kind of cool, but they were, it was a pale parallel, parallel to all the base cards. And then, of course, they had the jersey cards, those eight, they were called True Colors. Oh, yeah where you got eight swatches, four on one side and four on the other. <laughs> those were
1: impossible. Um, I'll tell you this. They were like, the odds were like one in every 1,400 packs. And I pulled one, and it probably took me. I bought a lot of Parkhurst that year. I I mean, I wait, maybe one every 700 packs. It was, the odds on those were very long, and I did get one. I got a New York Rangers one. The problem with it is that the Lundquist swatch is event used. And then one of the players used to be on the Avalanche. So there's like a maroon swatch from his Avalanche jersey. And so like and I want to say there's another swatch that doesn't belong. It's not a Rangers red, white, and blue swatch. It's like from a different team. Isn't so is Yager it's, on that card? Uh I don't know. I'd have first of all, I don't know if I even still have the card.
0: Hey, I think Jager is on that card. You'll have to look. See if you have it.
1: Yeah, I'll have to look because it's, like, one of those cards that, like, people wanted to trade me for, but, like, nobody would make, like, a serious offer on it. And I was just like, well, I'll just keep it then. I don't care. You know, that's the nice thing about trading. If you don't get an offer that you want, you don't have to take it. Um, But uh, I was disappointed with the card because it had some swatches that didn't belong. And I just felt that like, man, considering how hard this card was to pull, I wanted those swatches to all be red, white, and blue. Cause it was a Rangers card. And that would, that's how it should be.
0: That makes sense.
1: You know? So yeah, I remember those, those were, uh, yeah, those were, those were a pain. Um, what I do like about these cards. Oh, actually, you know, so let me get through real quick. So, um, O five oh six was the double rookie class because there was the lockout in 0405. So you know you had a lot of, you had twice as many potential rookies to make cards of, and some sets like Tim mentioned ICE having like what 159 rookie cards or something like that, or one hundred and sixty something.
0: Yeah. That's what I was yeah. saying. If you if you take out the top ten, you still have 159.
1: So this this set had seventy rookie cards. So some of the highlights, um Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, Dion Phaneuf, Henrik Lundqvist, Cam Ward, Jim Howard, Corey Crawford, Ryan Getzlaff, Corey Perry, Zach Parise, Ryan Souter, Jeff Carter. They all had uh, rookie cards in that set. Duncan Keith does not have a rookie card in that set, which is weird. He's not in that set, and I don't know why. Um, but Seabrook is. Seabrook is in that set, and so is Cam Barker. How can you have
0: Seabrook and not have Duncan Keith? That's Aren't, what I can't. Don't they have to be together? It's like they have to be together, Laurel and Hardy. They have Len- to be Lenny say, and Squiggy.
1: The two you know? cards together, freaking yeah. crack, right? Exactly. So, um, you know, another card that, that stands out to me is uh, Jeremy Colleton, who is the coach of the Blackhawks now. He has a card in 05, 06, Parkhurst. In fact, it's funny because when Joel Quenville was fired and they brought up Colleton from the Rockford Ice Hogs to the Chicago Blackhawks and they said, oh, he's pretty young. He's like 32, 33. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if he has any hockey cards. And he's in the 05-06, the cup set, which I was just like, wow. I mean, everybody's in the cup set. Um and then he has a rookie card in the uh, in the Parkhurst rookie set. So I, I want to tell you a little story about this. So um, I'm at the Blackhawk convention a year or so ago, and um, you know some tables had two or three people signing at the same time. Like sometimes, like you'd have like three retired players signing together, like. Eric Nestorenko and, like, say, um, Ab McDonald. I know McDonald passed away last year, but, like, I'm just giving, like, an example. Like, they'd have those two guys at the same table. So if you went in that line and got the bracelet to get their autograph and then came back later, you know, when they were actually signing at that time, you'd get both of them, right? So there was one, and it just said Blackhawk coaches. And I was, all right, well, cool. So I knew that Colleton was going to be there. So it was at the same table. It was Sheldon Brookbank, Thomas Mattel, Jeremy Colleton, Jimmy Waite, and Mark Crawford all signing at the same table. Now, these guys are they're just having a blast being together, signing autographs, right? And so, you know, I go up, Brookbank signs a card, you know, signs one of his Blackhawk cards. He's all smiles and cheers. You know, I, I welcome Mattel to the team because he's like from Sweden. I think he played under Colleton. And so, you know, he doesn't have any cards, so I hand him a schedule, a program, you know, like a pocket schedule that just had the logo, and I asked him to sign it. And I think he was very flattered to sign something because I think a lot of people were skipping him. And I get to Colleton.
0: Yeah, they're like, who's this guy? He doesn't even (laughs) speak English. Move along.
1: Oh, no, he spoke English very well. I I get to Colleton. I hand him his Parkhurst rookie, and he starts signing it. Now you got an interesting dynamic here because the youngest guy at the table is Jeremy Colleton, but he has very little NHL experience, and, uh, you know, next to say Mark Crawford or Sheldon Brookbank bank or Jimmy wait. Right. So yeah. even though he's,
0: he's, he's got a rookie card in a set where he's got players on his team that he's coaching that have rookie cards in the same. Set. In
1: this, right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Keith and Seabrook. Right. So he's signing the card and Jimmy Waite, in his French-Canadian accent, he goes, hey, Jeremy, read the text on your rookie card. And Colleton says, I'm not reading the text on my rookie card. And Colleton has that look on his face of a man who's just like, I'm not going to get flustered. Like, like you can't make me laugh. You can't make, like, he's trying to be very serious. He's just like, I'm not going to read the, you know, and they're busting his chops. So. Colleton slides the card over to me. Yeah, he slides it over, and Jimmy Waite, who's next to him, he's like, I'll take that. And he picks it up, and he flips it over, and then he starts reading, and I'm going to read what this is. Colleton made his National Hockey League debut with the Islanders against the Sabres on 11-23-05. Okay, that's not so funny. Then he goes, he is an athletic forward who excels along the boards, though he has also demonstrated the ability to generate scoring opportunities for his teammates at the offensive end. Now, he's reading that, and like he's every two or three words, he's like stopping and trying not to laugh. And all the guys are like trying not to laugh, but they just thought it was the funniest thing. And Colleton is like, trying not to turn red I think he was a little embarrassed by his card but they're just they're laughing they're you know they were like they're busting his chops right they weren't like being mean but they were busting his chops it was pretty funny and then Jimmy Waite you know handed me the card and thanked me and then he signed a card for me and I just thought that was funny that like he was just like hey read him your rookie card no I'm not reading him the text on my rookie card (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> we Well, we, re- we read stuff like that, and we, we see it, and we're like, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I can see that. He's pretty good in re- along the boards or this and that. But to those guys, it's just a bunch of boilerplate crap.
1: Right, you know? like, right.
0: Like reading a contract. It's like, yeah, this is just rote stuff that people put because they have no clue.
1: <laughs> well, it's just funny if it's just like, you know, he's a fierce competitor along the boards, and, you know, they just kind of get a chuckle out of that or whatever. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was kind of cool. Like, cause I was just like, what do I have of Colleton's? And I'm like, oh, I have a complete Parkhurst set. Well, I guess I'll just pull this card and I can always like get another one for like a quarter. And I think actually then I went to the national like a week later and like went through somebody's like monster boxes full of like 0506 cards and got a Colleton rookie for like a quarter. So there see. you go.
0: You could probably go on Sport Lots and get, like, 12 of them for $0.18 cents each.
1: I should do that next time yeah. they have a Blackhawk convention. There you go. You know, a couple other notable cards in this set. Gordie Howe has a card. It's card number 500, and he's called Mr. Hockey. And, I mean, praise be that they actually fit all of his statistics on the back of the card, including his WHA stats. Was Which this is...
0: the first year that Upper Deck referred to him on a card as Mr. Hockey? exclusively as that?
1: I don't know. I know there
0: were, there were quite a few releases there for a while where every card with Gordie Howe, it didn't say Gordie Howe, it just said Mr. Hockey.
1: And I don't know why, but yeah, it has Mr. Hockey and then the oh. registered trademark. But uh, yeah, so he's got a card in the set, which is kind of odd because he wasn't a player in 05-06. And uh, he's also featured on the box, which I guess they were trying yes. to really push that like, nostalgic feel which the design evokes the design has a really nice um uh nice look to it and actually i'll just really say and in mario lemieux his last card as an active player is in the set as well Well, Uh,
0: i think the design reminds you more of uh at least the base card design maybe something from the 60s yeah um you know, those old Parker sets. And plus, with everything at that point in time where production was, you know, the high gloss and everything else, these have more of a matte finish to them. And that's different than, you know, what you're used to seeing.
1: And you know what that makes them perfect for?
0: Autographs.
1: Autographs. So, yeah. So uh, not long after I collect, you know, started buying Parker's cards and I bought them that summer and I probably bought them that fall as well because I was probably trying to, Build one set. And I think I ended up completing two. I had enough cards to make two complete sets. But I still had to go on eBay and spend like $30. Because I needed like some of the Crosby cards. And uh, it was just... It was a mess to complete those two sets. But um, I had just a ton of duplicates. So I would... um, I I, I was collecting autographs through the mail at the time. And I would... um, I'd send them a parker's card because you know like I said this was the first year I was really getting back into collecting and then you find yourself with three thousand doubles and you go hmm maybe I'll get some of these signed so you send them out they made virtually everybody from the previous season and uh you know the card, the uh the the ink didn't smear when they're signed so they 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 do sign well they're nice cards
0: yeah I mean and that's the other thing to this too, is there's so many, like you said, they, every player that played the previous year was probably included in there. If not the majority of them, Yeah, um, like, like our boy, know,
1: Sebastian Kuran. Yeah.
0: Of course. They felt
1: the need to make the third string penguins goalie.
0: Well, you know, I mean, the O five, O six five, Oh six penguins were nothing to shake a stick at, but they also weren't good either. Um, but um no this was like this was this was what people think of opeachy now before Opeachy because opeachy didn't come out until the following year with o six o seven um with with upper deck resurrecting the name, so you know having having seven hundred cards to collect was uh definitely not the norm at that point.
1: You know, Tim, I'm glad you made that connection with Opeachy because this was kind of like the OP yeah, like you said, the Opeachy set before Upper Deck took over the Opeachy name. Because in the next year, O six oh seven Opeachy, that was that massive set that had right. everybody. Right. right. So and then Parkhurst became more of kind of like a hundred card here and there kind of set.
0: Yeah, and it went back to being more of a um, heroes type set, you know, older older players. Right. Um, Guys, you know guys from the sixties, seventies, eighties, that kind of thing, and which which is fine. And then they were able to do other things with it, like include um, things like wire photos mm-hmm. or um, you know paintings and things mm-hmm. like that, and try to and try to spruce it up. And they basically let peachy take over the every player who ever strapped on some skates for this team will be featured in this set. So. So yeah, so this was uh this was definitely uh definitely a huge set. Um one to, one to chase, one to put together and just the fact that you're able to pull some of the rookies out of here that you can is uh that's worth the ticket price right there.
1: This was a good set. You had like colored borders on the left and right side. You had like the player cut out and then they're like superimposed over like team logos that are, like, ghosted in the background. It's, it's a nice, you know, I hate to say it's a nice set, but, I mean, it does so many things right for me. Like, as a collector, I mean, what do I like in a hockey card? Um, I, I'm not offended by gloss or foil or any of that, but I think that when you do too much of it, it just becomes about that. And, like, really, like, all of these cards, except for some of the rookie cards, but all of the base cards, action shot of the player, skating, or you know doing something you know cut out and then like i said superimposed so it does have like that 1960s look where you have a player cut out you know like some of those parker sets where they're cut out and then you have like the team logos repeating in the background
2: this
1: whoever designed these cards they definitely looked at the parkhurst cards and said how can we make a set look like parkhurst and make it feel vintage without making it feel vintage like these evoke vintage, but I don't look at this and say, oh yeah, that's 5152, or oh, that's 6364, right? I mean we've seen, you know, a dozen sets that have mimicked the 6364 parkies with the, the flag backgrounds, right? Sure. And like this feels like a Parker set to me, but I can't like put my finger exactly on like I don't feel like it's mimicking one particular set. I feel like it's grabbing all of those elements. Yeah,
0: that's exactly it. It's it's pulling from all of them and making like a just a, a nice looking colorful set.
1: And even with like the upright borders, now I know it has the borders on the left side and the right side, but even thinking of like the 9192 Parkhurst set, which felt like what felt a little bit like, didn't really feel like the old Parkhurst cards other than maybe putting that marble texture on the border, on the, the left hand side, or in the bottom for the horizontal cards. But even well, just and those have, were glossy. Those were glossy.
0: Yeah. So because everything you had was glossy. Gloss.
1: Right. In so, the in the nineties. Yeah. So here's
0: here's an even bigger throwback because the gloss is gone.
1: Yeah. And yeah, these don't even have the little upper deck hologram on the back.
0: They do like, not. That is true. Know? I didn't even think of that until you just said that.
1: Yeah. They don't. And and I I don't. I don't necessarily miss it. I mean, I guess these cards would be pretty easy to counterfeit, but
0: yeah, I don't think anybody would want to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I... you got
0: the Crosby, you got the Ovechkin that are gonna they're gonna pull higher dollar than the rest, but nobody's nobody's shaking anybody down for a Crosby Parkhurst rookie. They're right. going after the the big guys.
1: Yeah, they're gonna go after um.
0: The young guns or the young guns or SP or, or the, the ICE or something that
1: although you'd be surprised because at the last national I picked up a uh Alex Ovechkin Beehive rookie and I was mm-hmm. pretty excited about that.
0: The Beehive's another interesting set from that year.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of cards going on that year. I kind of regret not getting into collecting at the start of the season. I got it at the very end of the season. And then I kind of like went back and like started um you know like i think i bought a box of beehive like five years ago and i've been trying to put that set together just because it's a fun set with its different sized cards and i like the different colored border variations and stuff like that
0: yeah beehive was interesting definitely an interesting uh
1: in like set a to quirky, go after in kind yeah of it a quirky was yeah. kind of way right
0: right 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 it was kind of it was kind of quirky but you're right, there were a lot of sets in 05, 06 compared to what there were previous years because Upper Deck had, you know, all the usual suspects were out there, plus the cup, plus mm-hmm. Victory was still around, MVP was around, you know, they had all their second sets like you talked about the the Diary of the Phenom things and they had the, they had the Phenomenal Beginnings and, you know, SP and SPX and Game Used and all that. So, I mean, you Lucky run flash. down the list of all of them. There were... There were there were plenty to choose from in that year. But, again, it was the double rookie class, so they were going to basically shove that down everybody's throats the best they could.
1: One thing I'm wondering about this set, huh, lost my train of thought, Check my cheat sheet here. Um, oh, yeah, that they had all the stats on the back, like uh, with Gordie Howe, Mario Lemieux, all the guys that played a long time. Well, Gordie Howe, just ridiculous, because you're looking at like 32 years of know 31 32 years of statistics on the back and they fit them all in and then with lemieux all of his stats and um
0: i was talking to my kids the other day about that not to change the subject that's okay guys that played in the league a long time and they're like you know how long does this guy play how long this guy play i'm like gordie howe played in five decades like he played hockey in five decades Granted, it wasn't all ten years of every decade, but still, he played in the '40s, the '50s, the '60s, the '70s, and 1980. So, the guy's got more legs than than pretty much anybody you can compare him to.
1: Oh, you know what's So actually, what? So yeah, 32. So, so on the back of the card, it says 32 NHL debuts, and what's interesting about this is this is one of the few upper deck cards I could think of that acknowledges the WHA because Topps cards always would have a player's WHA stats. Like remember Mark Messier being like the last WHA player and like his Topps cards still showing his, his season from the Cincinnati stingers. Right. And it'll say NHL and WHA records, but like all the other sets, like in the nineties, like score and well, upper deck only did a few years of stats. And so did um, pro set, but like, uh, any set that had like multiple years, they would always skip over <laughs> the WHA years like they didn't exist.
0: Well, I mean, if you're an NHL licensed product, do you want that on back there? Hey, look, this guy played for my competitor.
1: Oh, yeah. No, the NHL did not like, um, did not like, uh, did not like the WHA at all for reasons that, you know, we could fill a show with, but that'd be, um, like,
0: that'd be like the NFL cards. Having the, you know, the the AFL or the USFL or something as far as stats go on the back.
1: I'm trying to think now if those old Topps football cards, no, I don't think they had USFL stats on the back. I
0: do not think they did.
1: Yeah. I know Topps made USFL sets, but I don't know if, like, Herschel Walker's NFL cards had his USFL stats on them. Don't think so. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know why that. Probably because the WHA teams became NHL teams. Now, it was not a merger; it was an expansion. It was a it, it for all intents oh, and purposes, yeah. it was a merger. It was, but it was termed an expansion because there was a clause in the Players Association contract that if there was a merger between the leagues that they would have to renegotiate their collective bargaining agreement because then that would be considered a monopoly, right? Like if these two businesses merged and became one business, then that would have nullified the contract. The NHL did not want that. So what they did is, oh, that league is folding and we are welcoming in four teams from that league. Yeah. So, I mean, technically, yeah, it is part of the NHL history because – teams used to play in another league you know I guess if you had USFL teams that joined the NFL maybe that would it would be seen that way
0: yeah because the the ownership rights and everything to the logos and all that would be taken over but I never that didn't happen in that in that route
1: so yeah so this set doesn't get this uh, 0506 Parker set doesn't get too bogged down and like over design it's got text on the back if there's room for it if there's no room for it they just have lots of stats and that's okay this was a favorite set of mine to collect i i think that like the 0607 OPG set was like a nice successor it's like that big set and then and and that year they went glossy on both sides kind of like victory cards and then like the next year the OPG sets went to that like brown cardboard stock that's just terrible right but and i look at this set and i say like this is what an opici set should look like maybe not the design but just this sort of quality of card right like not horrible but not like over the top like very subdued and and just kind of understated
0: yeah i can see what you mean it's i mean it's still better card stock it's just not glossy you know it's not over the top it's the kind of the basic entry level if you want to call it a throwback sure you could do that
1: oh but the the um the back of the cards uh the back of the cards uh are easy to read i mean they're they're printed on white cardstock. unlike um some of the uh like i said some of the opichi cards that always use that kind of like brownish gray card stock cuz they're trying to be retro but it's just not i don't know doesn't does never felt right to me
0: well that that brown cardstock it harkens back to the cards of the '80s, the Tops and Opichi of the '80s to some extent. It's but Marshall if you the always tops. remember though, yeah, and that's the thing. If you remember, anytime there was Tops and there was Opichi, the Tops was always like that. The Opichi was on a better cardstock. Mm-hmm. So, and I
1: feel like the OPC card stock from the 80s is better than the OPC card stock from the
0: 2010s. Yeah. So, why then do you make the OPC harken back more to the tops rather than the OPC? The front design, yes, but the back, why go with the back? Because the OPC fronts looked like tops, the backs didn't. The backs were different. That's right. what distinguished them. I mean, other than having the Opichi logo on them, that's the one way that most kids back when I was growing up could tell the difference between a Tops and Opichi. Right. Flip the card over. Flip it over. Yeah. Well, it's not Tops glossy, and it's not, boat uh, it's not Tiffany, so it must be Opichi.
1: <laughs> so uh, I uh, actually want to talk a little bit about the uh, virtual expo that's coming up. I meant to, I meant to bring that up earlier, um, and I just kind of forgot when I started talking about the game-dated moments and and Ray Bork. But uh, anything uh, else you want to say about this uh, Parkhurst set?
0: No, I think if there's any of you out there that haven't seen it or don't know what we're talking about, go check it out. It's very affordable. It's very cheap to find boxes nowadays, um, even with box prices going through the roof. And it's a fun set to put together. It's got a little bit of everything, veterans, rookies. Yeah, it's,
1: and even, even as a complete set, it's not, it's not terrible to, to find. Uh, I mean, we're talking maybe like a, like around, I mean, I don't know now. I know a couple of years ago, I sold my second complete set for like a hundred bucks. And I, I thought that was a good deal for the guy who bought it. But I think that's pretty good for a 700-card set, especially since it has Crosby and Ovechkin, and it has, like, seven different Crosby cards, and it has a couple other Ovechkin cards as well. So, um, yeah, definitely def- definitely worth tracking down. If, if you need a, a good set from the mid-2000s that's not going to break your bank account and you want uh, Crosby and Ovechkin rookie cards... Uh, 0506 Parkhurst is a really good set to have. It's highly recommended. Uh, So I want to talk a little bit um, about the virtual expo that's coming up this weekend, because last week when Tim and I talked about it, we mentioned that there was uh, an admission fee of either $6 or $10. Well, actually that's been rolled back because they got a few more sponsors who basically picked up the slack. Um, So, uh, what that means is that registration to attend the event is free, or if you want to pay ten dollars for the VIP registration, you get um, a ten dollar coupon that you could spend at the show.
0: Wow. Um nine dollars so $9. ninety eight nine cents.
1: Well, the admission is nine ninety nine. <laughs> And, and the get... coupon is ten dollars.
0: Oh, I thought it was the other way around.
1: No, Sorry. so you come ahead by a penny. Oh, okay, you get a ten dollar eBay uh, discount code. And many of the, the sellers will be selling on eBay stores. So, since this is all virtual, so um. Uh, but then also, if you if you buy that $10 ticket, you're entered into a drawing to win a Sidney Crosby signed jersey, and then you're also uh, entered to win the opportunity to have one-on-one conversations with some of the um, guests. Phil is going to be a guest, Reggie Jackson's going to be a guest, and then uh, two wrestlers, Kevin Nash and Bushwhacker Luke, are going to be guests. I don't know much about wrestling.
0: Bush- other than- Bushwhacker Luke. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. I thought the Bushwhackers were dead, but I guess not.
1: Well, I guess Luke is still around. At least one of them's still around. Uh, I mean, I know who Kevin Ash is. Um, so anyway, so they yeah, also
0: so- threw in something else. I thought too, if I'm oh. not mistaken, if I got the last email correct.
1: They probably did. I mean, they keep they keep, they keep sweetening the pot.
0: Okay. Uh, I thought there was a chance to win something else too, but I can't.
1: If if you do the free admission, you have a chance to win a jersey that's signed either by, uh, is it Carey Price or Austin Matthews, I believe?
0: No, I thought I saw something that was, like, signed by Jordan. So it was, like, a Jordan autograph something. It wasn't an
1: autograph. It was a display case.
0: Oh, okay. Maybe it was that's what it was. a display
1: case with uh, Michael Jordan on it. And then I guess you could display things in it, like Jordan memorabilia. I got and it's, you. it's a case with him as like the background image. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's another thing you could win for free. So, all right. So the so the guests you could win one on one conversations with them. But then also those guests are all having free Q and A panels on the main stage. Um, the Hockey News is actually going to have a podcast uh, during the expo. They have a new podcast called Squid and the Ultimate Leaf Fan, which is uh, co-hosted by Rick Vive. And Mike Wilson, Mike Wilson is, builds himself as the ultimate Leaf fan. He had like a ton of like Maple Leaf memorabilia and I think he ended up selling most of it. And he's done like a lot of stuff for charity and stuff like that. So he does this podcast with Rick Vive and um, they're going to have Gary Lehman as their guest. I'm not sure when their podcast is going to be. Um, And then Puck Junk is going to be doing a live podcast as well. Not those sure. guys
0: suck, I heard.
1: Yeah, those guys, they're, you know, they're they're <laughs> amateurs. 62 yes. shows and they exactly. still don't have their act together.
0: Those guys don't know what the hell they're doing.
1: So uh, we'll be doing a live podcast. Uh, time and date TBA, but I guess if it's Friday, it's going to be just me talking to myself. And if it's Saturday, it'll be you and me. I asked him, I said, hey, got to be Saturday because my boy Tim, he works Friday.
0: Yep. And I've got... Uh got uh pre pre preordained engagement so yeah no saturday's my saturday's my uh my big show day
1: yeah so we'll both be there saturday i'll be there friday so basically what's going to happen is uh we're going to do a podcast and if you want to be a guest on the podcast like if you listen to this podcast we're going to be doing a live podcast from the virtual expo so come on over to the main stage and then you can like you know, click a little button that says you want to come on the stage and then we can let you up on the stage and you could talk to us. So uh, if you want to be on the podcast, please either have a question or something interesting to say. Don't just be like, sup, because then I'll just be like, sup, and then Tim will just be like, yo, and then this will just not even be a hockey podcast anymore. Just be us like pretending to be stoners, which is not as funny as it sounds.
0: Yeah, definitely have something interesting to say, unlike what I bring to the table every time.
1: <laughs> so anyway, so uh, and then the other thing is, is that um, so I will be there definitely both days. Puck Junk is going to have a booth there on, you know, in the I don't say vendor area because this is all virtual space. But like when you go to the show and then you, you sign in, it's almost like you see like an overhead of like a floor plan. And then you could click on like the different dealer booths to see you know, to jump in and out of a booth, but then you can also narrow it down. Like if you're looking for only hockey or only vintage or only whatever, right? So I'll be there Friday, Saturday, Uh, Puck Junk will have a booth. I'm actually going to be selling my shirts there and I'm going to actually put them on sale this weekend. So if you come to the virtual expo and you drop by the Puck Junk booth, um, I'm going to have a mad, crazy sale on my shirts Um, But if you don't want to buy anything, just come and say hi and talk hockey with me and talk hockey with Tim. And maybe uh, I think Blake and uh, Jim Howard, the other guys who sometimes do the podcast, they also write for the site. uh, They might hop in also. Not so sure. But uh, yeah. So if you are um, finding yourself with nothing to do this weekend and. You're afraid to go out because of the coronavirus, and I don't blame you because I am too. I, I follow the data. Uh, you know, consider coming to the virtual expo and hanging out, you know, looking at some hockey cards and hockey memorabilia, maybe buying some stuff and, uh, you know, dropping by the puck junk booth and saying hi.
0: It's definitely going to be interesting. You know, I've had my, whatever you want to call it, skepticism or whatnot, but uh, well, I it's did the, the first uh, time yeah it, it like is the first like time for it tough. and it and it's very it's a very interesting concept um you know many many people shared the same opinion that I did in the beginning was how's this any different than just spending an afternoon you know searching through eBay or hopping on com c or something like that and just mm-hmm. sifting through what's available and you know the idea here is. You're going to have access to dealers that are normally only at shows that may not necessarily have the publicity or the storefronts that are famous enough that people would go to and shop from. And you would only see them at these types of shows and you have the ability to interact with them one on one through the virtual platform. So you can talk with them. There's a chat room. You can actually see each other on video, have a discussion if need be, um, and, 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 you know, see some of their things and, and actually, you know, do your transactions directly with a person, albeit, you know, through eBay platform or PayPal or whatever, you know, what, whatever choice that they're using as a, uh, as a merchant service, um, but it's a little closer to that direct. Hey, I want this card. I'll take that. Okay. Two bucks. Here you go. Here's your two bucks or whatever. So.
1: And I'm really excited because like people that I talk to online are, told me they're going to come to this show. So it'd just be really cool to face to face with some of these people. I mean, I remember going to the national, uh, back in 2019 and people coming up to me and saying, Hey, I, I've, I've been reading puck junk for years. And I'd be like, Oh, cool. Nice to meet you. You know, that, you know, thanks for, thanks for saying hello. You know, thank, you know, nice to talk to you. And like meeting people that I've talked to for years, but never really had a face to face with before. Right. Like when we did that hockey trade night and you know, some people are like, Oh yeah, puck junk. I know you, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's nice to do that. So I'm excited about just getting to talk to other hockey card collectors because we're definitely a strange bunch. I mean, we're not we're kind of like baseball card collectors but we're also kind of like football card collectors a little bit um you know i mean it's just like uh we're we're, we're, we're our own unique brand of collectors and and so i th- you know i i think it's really cool when you can just you know shoot the breeze with somebody about like 70s opc errors or or you know 89 panini hockey Stickers or whatever You know it's just it's just cool
0: Yeah you don't And you don't get you don't get that In just your daily shopping on ebay No you don't get that at all So the interaction is what I'm Looking forward to so it should be interesting It should be a good time
1: So all right man let's tie a bow on this one Uh, I think we're done I think this turkey Is done This
0: turkey is done
1: Turkey is done. All right. So thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you like the show, please like and subscribe. Please tell your friends, families, neighbors, significant others, and anybody who will listen to you. Also uh, are interested, uh, I have a link at the bottom that will tell you everything you need to know about the upcoming virtual expo. And we hope to see you there. So thanks again for listening more hockey goodness. Follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.